On this episode of Locked On Lightning, we got the guys from Locked On Centers coming on, continuing our Atlantic Division rival feature. Are the Ottawa Senators going to test the Lightning this year? How how well are they going to play and stack up against the rest of the Atlantic Division? We talk about all that more, but first, let's play that music. You're Locked On Lightning, your daily podcast on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And you are Atlantic Division preview with the reigning Eastern Conference champs, a team that's been to the Stanley Cup Finals in three consecutive years. I can't even imagine what's that li- what that's like for Adam Denker, who joins us now. Welcome, buddy. How are you today? How's it going, boys? You know, uh, glad to be doing this with you guys. Uh, said it just so happens I'm doing an Atlantic Division roundup on my show as well. So, you know, glad that we could get together and uh, talk about some uh, hockey. Only only a couple of weeks away, finally. It seemed like, uh, you know, yesterday was July and we were dying for some news. But uh, glad that uh, the season is not too far away. Hey, July was our playoffs, buddy, with free agency, with the draft. It's like you back in May and, and June. Who do you think's nipping at your heels then? If you're doing this Atlantic Division preview, the Lightning have clearly been the kings of the Atlantic over the last few years. Like, Who are you worried about maybe supplanting you this year in the standings? Uh, believe it or not, I think the... I don't think they're gonna they're gonna overtake us in the standings, but Detroit is, really scares me. I, I think, uh, you know being very familiar with the way Steve Geiserman does things, him, you know, really being responsible for the current success the Lightning have had over the last five years and probably will have over the next five more uh, due to, you know, all the draft picks he's made and all the players that we have now from from his era. Uh, Detroit has been really a team that, you know, even if they don't have the best lineup on the ice uh, in certain games, they're always going to play you tough. They're always going to play you hard up and down. And, and, but, Ottawa, listen, you know, I'm not just saying that because I'm on your show or we're doing a crossover, but Ottawa is a team that intrigues me because you guys have been really just slowly in the shadows over the last couple of years, just fostering all this talent. And now you're, you see it this year on this year's roster. And, and they're a team that is going to really intrigue me because um, not a lot of people, I think, expect this, uh, this process to work out for you guys going forward. Hey, we'll be happy when uh, when we can prove those doubters wrong, hopefully. But uh, another thing with Detroit that I just thought of is uh, Lalonde, their head coach, another uh, Tampa guy. So the, the Red Wings are going to have some intel on the Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning, that's for sure. Now, Ottawa obviously made some big uh, offseason moves. Tampa, they, as Stanley Cup um, teams that make it all the way to the final, you typically have to shed some caps. So their moves were a little different. What would you say was kind of the biggest move, whether it was a loss, an extension, a new player coming in? What was kind of the the biggest thing that happened for the Lightning this offseason for you? You know, a lot of people were were interested about the whole Andre Plot situation, especially yeah. after the, the kind of playoffs he had. Uh, really, the, the one of the reasons why we were even able to get by Toronto and, and able to sweep Florida uh, and even get by back in the series against New York. But Ryan McDonough, I think, when we look back on the off season, whether it's December, January, February, uh, the, the farther we get into the season, I think when we look back at what kind of was the move that 
whether we're doing good or really when we're doing bad, because we all know every team goes through those rough patches. It's going to be the Ryan McDonough trade. Uh, he has been uh, one of the, the key leaders on this team since he arrived here via trade from New York. Uh, and, you know, even if he never really, even if he wasn't always producing on the ice or even was on the ice, because we all know he dealt with his felt sh fair share of injury. Uh, Mac was really one of the leaders uh, in, in the locker room. So I think they're going to miss that. But I also stated on my show that, you know, there's a lot of players on this team that have gotten a lot of burn uh, coming down from Syracuse, able to play during the regular season due to the amount of injuries that this team has had. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like like a Ross Colton or 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 a Eric Chernak uh, is able to just slide into that leadership role right away. But I really think that the Ryan McDonough move or the absence of Ryan McDonough is definitely going to affect this team at some point down the road. Yeah, he's one of my favorite players to watch, McDonough. Just always hard on pucks, hard in the corner, and you're going to have to replace almost 23 minutes of ice time yeah. there. Do you think Mikhail Sergachev is ready to take on that legitimate top four role on the left side? They're paying him like he's ready. Yeah. As of next uh, year, though, he's, still, he's got yeah, the fair. Timmy situation where he's got one year left. I think it's a 4.8, but we'll get to those three monster extensions. But, yeah, Sergachev's been able to play kind of that sheltered, you know, bottom pair, but can move up and play in a pinch in an offensive situation. But is he ready for the defensive responsibility of being a top four guy all the time? You know, if you would have asked me that question after the bubble, I would have said absolutely 100% yes. But the last couple of years have really, you, you've seen kind of a stalemate, uh, a stale really, you know, a stalling in, in his his development. And, and you kind of saw the mental aspect come into play during the playoffs. Uh, you know, Sergey is not, you know, he's not Cal McCarr. He's not Victor Hedman. Uh but, you know, he has shown moments where he can quarterback a power play. He can do what he needs to do to get the job done. But the last couple of years, uh, especially turnovers at the blue line, which lead into to odd man rushes on the other end, uh, you've, that's really hurt this team at certain moments, especially in the playoffs. But I think he's been working hard this offseason. I think uh, kind of losing, you know, believe it or not, losing the Stanley Cup final, I think was probably the best thing for him. Uh, kind of back, that back down to earth moment for him. And, and he's definitely been working hard uh, from everything that I've heard through the pipeline. So, you know, I'm excited for him to to come back and, and kind of start from square one. And and yeah, I think he's ready. Uh, I think they're not going to throw him into that kind of situation right away. I think you're going to see, uh, hopefully, uh, in my opinion, I think Eric Chernak and Victor Hedman should be on the first line. Uh, together this year but yeah I think eventually down the road whether it be uh, the middle of this season or next I think Sergachev will be in that role at some point yeah that, that's the thing with Tampa they when they shed guys and need other guys like you're mentioning to step up uh, now a uh, Tampa and Ottawa connection here that I'm interested to get your opinion on Matthew Joseph and a fourth round pick come to Ottawa in exchange for Nick Paul both of those players now have new extensions with their teams you have a better sample size of uh, Joseph and Paul as we only got to see Joseph for a handful of games, whereas you got to see Nick Paul all the way through the playoffs. So mm -hmm. if you're sitting here today, Nick Paul got that seven-year deal. I'm um, looking at it now, $3.15 million. Matthew Joseph, four-year deal at $2.95 million. Which deal would, uh, would you rather have there? Oof. 
Well, first of all, I like to thank you guys for 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 Nick Paul because Nick Paul's I amazing. don't he, yeah he, he paid us back in Game Seven against the Leafs. By the yeah. way, we'll pull up that photo because yeah. I feel like Adam's the the dude who needs to see it more than anyone. We'll get yeah, to that in a sec. Absolutely. But the two goal performance against the Leafs that's like the last little handshake to all Sens fans. That's a good Sens Sens player yeah. right there. Sens yeah. off right. Yes. Yeah. I. I, I don't think anybody could have predicted the kind of performance he brought to this team no. from, you know, it, it, it's one thing to kind of figure it out down the road uh, as you're coming to a new team and getting the lay of the land. But from day one to come in and make it as big of an impact as Nick Paul did, it, that was unbelievable. I mean, what a better way to endear, endear yourself to, to, uh, to Tampa, uh, to the city of Tampa and its fans. And, and, but Matthew Joseph, you know, I was I was before we jumped, we hopped on here together. I, I was looking at the roster and I totally forgot that Matthew Joseph was even a senator. And I'm not taking anything away from him. But at the end of the day, you know, Matthew Joseph, I think in the end, I think that deal is going to work out better uh, just because Matthew Joseph has that potential where I've you've seen flashes of him through his time with Tampa where he can make the Braden Point type plays, he could he could turn a game on its head in a heartbeat down the other side of the ice off a turnover, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize about him. Considering he didn't really get that much playing time here, he did. He had his moments in the playoffs, but uh, you know when you're playing on a team that has Nikita Kucherov, Stamkos, you know the names go on as to the amount of talent that Tampa had. You know it's hard to fit you in, and that's what was part of the reason why I think they shipped Matthew Joseph up to you guys because there really wasn't anywhere to play him. And and so in the end, I think the deal that Joseph got, I think, is going to work out favorably for you guys because I think his upside is, you know, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to win the the Richard Trophy anytime soon, but I think he's going to really be able to at some point if he could continue to be consistent i think he could eventually maybe uh be a valuable third line guy for you guys down the road yeah no doubt and then there's the added element of what he brings off ice as a, a francophone ottawa's right on the border with quebec and and they haven't had much representation outside of thomas shabbat so it's great and those two actually won a, a qmjhl championship together in st john and uh well he certainly showed well in a small sample size second all time in sends points per game uh, we say with tongue in cheek because he only played 11 games, but only Danny Heatley has more points per game in franchise history right now. Uh, we don't expect that to continue. However, we do expect the leaf pile to continue. We pull this up each and every time we can. And I think you're the perfect guy to see this. We like to point out who's your favorite Leafs fan. This photo was taken right when the game winning goal went in, in game seven overtime, less than two minutes left. There's a lot to choose from here, Adam. Who is your favorite Leafs fan after their loss to Tampa? Oh, uh, I mean, my my gaze was already pulled to the kid who has his hands over his head underneath where the score box is on the top yep. left. But <laughs> I got to say, uh, you know, probably the dude in uh, that looks like, I don't know what jersey he's wearing, but in the front with the eye black, with the head, with the blue headband next to the Maple Leaf yep. Square. Insignia. I think that's. I think that really sums up uh, Leafs Nation. Um, you know, the and, war and paint. Come on. Yeah, the war paint. Uh, his his mascara was fading from the tears. <laughs> but oh man, I I cannot tell you uh, how satisfying that series was uh, to beat those guys because that was actually the team I was I was more so concerned about heading into the playoffs. Just by the way Tampa was playing. Uh, you know, 
the, those last couple of weeks there and, and, and barely, in my opinion, barely, you know, beating the Islanders in the last game of the se- uh, last game of the season on their home turf. So, you know, to, to get Toronto in the first round and to play the way they did, um, especially with, you know, there was a lot of conversation. Did John Cooper play Andre Vasilevsky too much in those last couple of months? And, and my opinion is, yes, he did. But uh, to beat those guys, I mean, I, I would I, I was telling I, I was telling what I believe it was Armando Velez um, before we played Florida uh, a day or two. I was saying, you know, uh, if we lose to you guys, it's fine. We've won two cups in a row and we beat the Maple Leafs. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad where we're at right now. <laughs> No doubt. Well, when that happens, obviously you have to lock up guys who are part of the core. Now, Cap Friendly, the Tampa Bay might be making a case they need to extend beyond the six years that they show. There's five, six separate arrows of guys who have, have long-term deals, including three that signed. We talked about Nick Paul already, but you, I would think probably the biggest offseason move there in terms of additions or at least to their, their cap chart was the three monster deals they signed on the first day, if not the second, of free agency, Mikhail Sergachev, you talked about Eric Chernak and the um, the potential impact he can make as a top pair guy, and Anthony Sorelli. So Sorelli's making 6.25 on his new deal. Chernak's making 5.2, and Sergachev all the way up at 8.5. That will make him more higher paid than Victor Hedman. What was your initial reaction when you saw that they locked up all those, those parts of their core? Well, you know... You got to reward these guys. These uh, they were all vital parts of what the last two years have have resulted in. Um, you know, given what, what I talked about earlier with Sergachev, yeah, I mean, he still has a lot that he needs to accomplish uh, to make that a favorable deal for us on the on the other side. But you know what, he he does have his moments where he he is really a huge help. Like I said, he has that ability to quarterback a power play, has that ability to 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 do a lot of great things on the ice and the guys on the team love him. I mean, he's best buds with coach and and Vazzy. So that's an added element to that. You know, you're not going to not pay the guy who is best friends with two of your best franchise players. Oh, Um, we know about, we know all (laughs) about the best friend team over here for sure. (laughs) And then with Sorelli, I mean, future Selkie trophy winner at some point down the road, whether it be, you know, next year, I don't think it's going to happen this year. Uh, I think as long as Patrice Bergeron's in the league, I think, you know, that, that, <laughs> that, that award is pretty much locked down. I think they already engraved his name back onto it for this year already. Uh, yeah, but yeah. So, you know, Anthony Sorelli, he's one of those guys where if you want to look at the ideal progression of a player who, you know, you say he's going to do this, The next season, Anthony Sorelli has fulfilled every year. He's fulfilling all the expectations that are laid before him. And and I I really have to say the only other player on this lightning team that has really so much progressed in a way similar to Anthony Sorelli uh, is Ross Colton. And and we'll, we'll talk more about him later, but um, you know, Anthony Sorelli, I mean, what can the guy not do, Uh, you know, other than, you know, consistently win faceoffs, which he's still starting to, you know, work on that. But, you know, he does everything. He's a Swiss Army knife. And and I really think in the end, that's going to be the best deal out of all these extensions. Yeah, I really like that deal, too, with Anthony Sorelli. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they led this division in points last. Did they? No, sorry. They finished second in the regular season. But certainly Panthers, yeah, certainly turned that on its head in Four games in the second round, eliminating the Cats and moving on, ultimately beating the Leafs and Panthers in the division. 
that makes you king. I don't care where you finish in the regular season. Coming up, we'll get Adam to ask us what's going on in Ottawa. What's he nervous about? Is he thinking it's all a sham? What's going on in that? And then we'll get into some predictions as well, some X factors. And will the Tampa Bay Lightning and Ottawa Centers go under or over? What bet online's predicting in the point total for the regular season. All that's coming up on a crossover edition of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Lightning podcast. Stay tuned. And we're going to take a quick break in the show to talk about today's first and only sponsor, and that is BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports this season. Final latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. And BetOnline is also the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your multiple device to learn more about the trends and action today. Bet online where the game starts. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. All right, you're listening to Locked On Senators, Locked On Lightning. We're with Adam Denker. Of course, Pillsy's with me. I'm Ross Levitant. And yeah, we're hoping Ottawa makes a step, Adam. I don't know if it's going to be into the playoffs or not, but certainly these two teams have had some great games over the last couple of years. You think of Brady Kachuk's first game as captain, a little 4 nothing shutout action. And then I think it was Victor Hedman walking down Broadway uh, in Tampa for a 2-1 win where Tampa uh, took care of Ottawa down south. Uh, was that the game we were asking for Vasilevsky, Pilsy? That might have been our worst take of all time. Yeah, we, we did publicly plead to give uh, us Vasilevsky instead of Brian Elliott. Yes, that, he, that, he was, had... a, that was an interesting move <laughs> on our take. Yes. Well, we were looking at the numbers, Adam. He had an 890 save percentage against Ottawa, the worst against any team in the league. Then he goes out there and puts, I think it was a 38 save performance. And, yeah. you know, just proved that he's, he's the best goalie for my money mm. in the National Hockey League. But these teams do play some great games there. Uh, expansion sisters at the same time, right? Yeah. Both coming to the league in 1992. What, as an outsider of someone outside of the city of Ottawa and, and not as locked on Senators as we are, thankfully, or else we'll be taking our job. What's uh, the perception of, of the Sens right now uh, in your market? Uh, the perception is, um, you know, kind of a look of what are these guys going to do next? When is it finally going to come together? Because, you know, I stated earlier in the in the episode, you know, you're, you're looking at Detroit, you're seeing what they've been doing for the last few years or so, really just building things up, you know, adding little pieces here and there. And then there's so much been made in, in the general media about what's been going on in Ottawa. You guys really, you know, kind of, and, and it seems like not a lot of that is really out in the open. I don't know if it's whether it's the, 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 the media in general is much more interested in what else is going on in the other parts of the league teams, building things up with Ottawa or, or you guys, your franchise as a whole, is just keeping things very close to the chest. Um, and, and I kind of want to throw that started off with you guys. Pillsy, I'll ask you first. What has been your what has been your mood, you know, as a Senators fan, as this team, you know, comes out every year, says, you know, we're, we're still continuing to get better. We're still improving, you know, everything from, from top to bottom. Um, what's it been like these last couple of years as you guys continue to kind of get back into the playoffs and then continue get back to, you know, the top of the league? Well, I'll start from farther. So if we start at 2020, disappointing offseason. I mean, they they tried to make some moves. 
no one was really fooled by what they did. Uh, is that when, that when they brought in Murray and Dadnov? Yeah, Murray and Dadnov were the big dogs. Yeah, and look, Dadnov, that was a guy I really liked. I'm sure you saw a lot of him uh, playing up against the Florida Panthers. Uh, he had some good seasons, but he just didn't work out in Ottawa. Mainly the, the excitement there was we got a free agent to come to Ottawa, a guy that was coveted by other teams. He was putting up good numbers. It looked like this was going to work. Then Matt Murray, we thought, okay, this guy, he's won Stanley Cups. He's still in his mid-20s. Hopefully, he can bounce back after a bad year. It was a lot of kind of gambles. It, it was, let's take some gambles, see if these pay off. The gambles did not pay off. As uh, every, everyone knows, the Sens had to get out of both of those players. And then the next offseason, literally nothing happened. Their biggest moves were bringing in Michael Delzato as a, as a free agent and then trading Dadanov and acquiring Nick Holden. Those were their splashy offseason moves. So That was it. Uh, yeah, that literally was it. And as fans, we knew we were ready for the setup of the season we were about to have. Now, flash forward to this offseason, and it's a whole different world if you're a Sens fan. The vibes are off the charts. It seems like... Every move that Sens fans have tried to kind of put out in the open and the dreamers like Ross have tried to say, <laughs> this can happen. Let's go acquire Alex Debrinket. And me saying, Ross, that's not going to happen. We're the Ottawa Senators. Uh, we might get Andre Palat. <laughs> yeah, if we're lucky, we'll get Palat. Or uh, if we're lucky, we'll overpay for some declining veteran. We're not going to get a 40-plus goal score in his prime. Little did we know, Pierre Dorian, the general manager, had been cooking up an off-season for the ages as all the acquisitions he's made, all the signings he's made, Josh Norris, Tim Stutza, Matthew Joseph, I don't think you could find a single Senators fan that has much bad to say about this offseason. And if there's anything bad, it's it's maybe small things like maybe you traded Connor Brown too early or maybe you didn't acquire a top four defenseman like uh, we thought yeah. was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it still could happen. But for the Dreamer. most part, this is the season where Sens fans can finally say the team is putting their money where their mouth is. Like we're actually seeing the proper moves being done and everything seems to be aligning for a legitimate push to, you know, They've still got a long way to go when you when you finished in the basement of the season a couple of years in a row. Just acquiring some new players in the offseason isn't going to magically change everything, but it's looking a lot better, and there's some real reason for hope and positivity this year for Sense fans. Yeah, it's about yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I think everybody was shocked about the Brinkett move. I I I'm still still in awe that yeah yeah <laughs> i i think if it wasn't for the brady if it wasn't for the kachuk move the florida i think that that would have been probably one of the bigger moves of the offseason um ross i'm looking at the 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 goaltending situation because i love you know i had this argument on locked on nhl with chris masilli of locked on avalanche all the time now i i am very much in the camp of a one goalie you know you, you, you have your one guy, you stick with him for yeah. the whole season. Now, that's easier said than done when you have Andre Vasilevsky. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, and a guy uh, who he, lives in the in the area where Marty Brodeur and Henrik Lundqvist had like a decade plus where the, it was their net. But yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm looking at your goaltending situation. And, and in the four uh, matchups that our teams had last year, I, I really enjoyed as much as I didn't enjoy because it was against the Lightning. <laughs> I very much enjoyed watching Anton Forsberg work. I, I really thought he was going to be the guy, you know, kind of take that next step uh, and, and be 
kind of what we see of what Jake Ottinger is doing in Dallas. Now, what is the what is the conversation being had in Ottawa for the goaltending situation? Is this going to be Forsberg's uh, net this year, or how much of it is going to be split between him and Talbot? Yeah, that's a super interesting question, and it'll have to be earned. I think that's what it's all about. It's that no complacency type situation. They had to move on from Murray. Best yeah. availability or best ability is availability, and Murray. I think he started 30% of the game since being acquired to be that 1A, 1A starter. There it's your net, and he just yeah. couldn't do it. There were stretches where he was good, but consistently couldn't get it done. Anton Forsberg, they got off of waivers during the, the COVID season, and it was more like, hey, we need to carry three goalies on the active roster. You need that taxi squad guy, and, and he was just a perfect guy to pluck off waivers. Little did we know how amazing uh, a trajectory he was starting to be on. Last year, my favorite stat, Adam, and, and it more so speaks to how bad the Senators' decor was, but in games where he faced more than 40 shots, I should say had more than 40 saves, he was 6-2-1. and one. Like This guy was able, the more pucks were coming his way, the better he was. It was also by far a career high in games played, playing 46 games, 44 starts. Previously, he'd only played 35 games in a season once and then never even double digits in parts of five separate NHL seasons. So I think that's more so why they went out for Cam Talbot. Goalie's a little bit of voodoo unless you're in that elite echelon. You guys know what you're getting with Vasilevsky every year, but the the width of, of range of what you can get from these middle tier guys is quite alarming. So I think that was more so the, the reasoning to bring in Talbot. They gave up Philip Gustafson where Pierre Dorian said, he's like, maybe we're giving up a little bit of upside later on, a guy who's a bit younger, but I was never a big Gus guy. I know Pilsy thought he was treated unfairly with the bouncing up and down and not really getting to develop in one simple location. Yeah. However, it, it's a results-driven league. And last year, Gus went, what, 12 straight starts without a win. Like he just couldn't get the job done. So to bring in a veteran like Cam Talbot, who I believe won 13 out of his last 15 games down the stretch for Minnesota. Speaking of treated unfairly, like yeah. I think that bringing in Marc-Andre Fleury was a bit of a slap in the face to a guy who was in the all-star game. Simply though, to me, Anton Forsberg's the one a on this team over Cam Talbot. I'm hoping that it plays out that way because he, he simply stole games for them last year. He was yeah. unreal so many times like that shutout against Tampa uh, where Brady had that hat trick. I was like, I think that was one of the first games where you're like, okay. Cause it was early December, right after Ottawa would come off uh, a November to forget one win in 12 games, COVID ramped through the team. It was, it was brutal. And then he came and just steadied the ship. There was a 48 save performance against Carolina. And then he just took the mail and, and carried it from there. So I think that when you're looking at the Atlantic division, there's certainly a couple goalies you'd rather have before him, but I think that he's a bit of a sneaky player. If it's whether it's your fantasy team or whether it's um, you know just looking at the counting stats throughout the regular season, the save percentage was solid. I believe it was nine seventeen last season for Forsberg, and to me, it's it's going to be like a fifty five games for Forsberg, and then just give the rest to Talbot. What's that like thirty eight, thirty nine? Non math guy, but. Um, but with Forsberg, I'm expecting a bounce back year. Goalies, obviously, they're always a little bit later to bloom. And 29-30, I think that that's where you're in the right mental space to, to get things done. And I'm expecting big things from Forsberg this year. To me, he's he's the starter on this team. 
yeah, uh, I, I do remember that game in which uh, Brady went off against us. And, and that was one of the few games where I threw my hands up and said, really, we're going to lose to these guys with, with Brady nice. going out there lo- lo- looking looking like Wayne Gretzky tonight. Come on. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it and, and when you look at this team, <laughs> that's, the that's, great. There there that's a great picture. Quick on there the trigger. Go. Sh- shaking it up, eh? That's Brady at the year-end party, just absolutely having a time bartending. And that this this photo, I think, would exemplify the vibes of this team heading into yeah. next season. <laughs> That's fair. Now, looking at your bottom si- bottom six, who who are you looking other than Matthew Joseph, who we've already spoken about? Neither one of you could obviously jump in, but looking at the bottom six, who who are you guys looking at most to make the biggest impact? Yeah, I'll, I think I'll, we're going to have the same answer. I'll Luke, let you go ahead, Ross. Three, two, one. Shane Pinto. Pinto. <laughs> go <laughs> ahead, Pills. <laughs> yeah, Shane, Shane Pinto is that guy. I mean, he, he was slotted to be this team's second-line center two years in a row, basically. He came in after college, jumped into the NHL seamlessly as a second-line center. Somehow, he made that Ottawa Senators team look good. They won more games than not when he was in the lineup as a rookie centerman. And then next season, he he comes in. He's going to be the second-line center again. Shoulder injuries uh, really derailed his season. He recovers, comes back in one game, out again. as su- Basically, right the next face-off he takes, he injures his shoulder again, and he's out for the season. So this is a guy that was poised and ready to be a second-line center two years ago. But injuries have stopped that from happening. So as a third-line center, now a little older, a little bigger, a little stronger, uh, a little more, um, I I was going to say experienced, but he hasn't played games, but he's had a lot of time to practice and get ready. So we'll we'll put experience in from that point. But he's someone that he's a two-way centerman. He excels in the face-off dot. In college, he put up absolutely insane numbers. So we're hoping... He can figure out how to do that in the NHL and with the guidance like a guy like Claude Giroux on the team now that can help him after practice working on faceoffs. That'll be huge. He can kill penalties and he's got a nice offensive touch to him as well. So that's a guy where the potential is just so huge that with the right line mates, Matthew Joseph probably being one of them, he's going to have a big year. Well, we're talking to the perfect guy because I think the ceiling for Shane Pinto is Anthony Sorelli. Yes. That, that exact yep. same type of player where you can trust him. I love I love this statement. It was Pat Micheletti that told us how Pinto is in college. And I think it can translate in the NHL. And you're probably be like, oh, Sorelli is like similar type of guy. You want him out on the ice in the last two minutes of a game, whether you're losing by one or winning by one. They can kind of yeah. turn it on offensively a little bit, but they're also going to take care of things in their own end. There was a game in college, and again, it's college. He went 23 for 23 in the faceoff circle. Like, uh, just ridiculous. Se- second to uh, Cole Caulfield and Hobie Baker voting that year, too. Uh, unreal season with North Dakotas. But we'll see. When you miss a whole year of development at the age of yeah. 22, and he's only played 70 total games in the last three seasons with all of this, yeah. the stops and starts. So we'll see how that comes. But it's going to be an awesome year between Tampa and and Ottawa, although I think the expectations are slightly adjusted. We'll get Adam's take on that. And some X-Factors coming up right here on a crossover edition of the Locked On Senators and Locked On Lightning podcast. All right, you're listening to Locked On Senators, Locked On Lightning. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Brandon Piller, as always. And joining us, Adam Denker of Locked On Lightning. You can follow him on Twitter. And subscribe to the show on YouTube, at Locked On Lightning. Always great to see the growth of the YouTube shows, and we'll get that off the ground. And, man, 
It's a great time to be a fan of the Locked On Podcast Network. Great time to be an NHL fan as well. It's going to be a fantastic season. What are the expectations for Tampa? It's basically Stanley Cup or bust, hey? Yeah, uh, that's pretty much what it is. Must be I, nice. Yeah, <laughs> you wow. know, it's 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 maybe we're taking this a little bit for granted, but you know, we we talk. I spoke about this on the show last year, and I guess you know the expectations are pretty much the same this year. Is you know, just it doesn't matter where you finish in the division, just get into the playoffs, and then and then we'll worry yeah. about things there. Uh, and, and you know. Yeah, a couple of years ago, it's funny how things change over time. And it's actually funny what a Stanley Cup does for you because 2020, 2019, 2020, we're talking about let's win the division. Come on, man. Let's let's get past Boston. And and right before COVID shut everything down, we were neck and neck with Boston almost. And then kind of, you kind of started to see Boston kind of pull away there. But uh, I mean, talk about where they're at now because, as you know, now that I'm saying that out loud, where they're at now compared to where they were before, uh, just right before COVID, but yeah, expectations are pretty much the same as always Stanley cup or bust. Um, you know, they, they might be a little bit more adjusted if we don't get to that point now, considering the, the improvement of the Eastern conference. I mean, the metropolitan division is probably one of the scariest divisions and if not the scariest division in the national hockey league, I think the Atlantic division now with everything that's, you, you know, you obviously you're going to have Florida. Now you're going to ha- you have you have Toronto being Toronto. Who knows what they're going to do this year? I think we're going to see a little bit of a drop off. Maybe that's me just being a hater. But and then with, I'll agree with, with you on that one, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs drop off. Yep, sounds good. And, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, you know, with the Red Wings kind of starting to 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 rise up in the ranks, starting to see Boston. Maybe this might be their last year, really riding in the sun. And then. You know, you guys starting to to get things together. I think we're gonna. It's gonna be one of the more competitive divisions in the league. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be a little bit more of a scratch and claw for that last playoff spot. So, you know, I'm not gonna say we're just gonna waltz into that last playoff spot like we normally do. But uh, yeah, let's just get in there and let's let's see what else happens from there on in the playoffs. Now, have all the kind of uh, subtractions from this team, like. Like, really, who was the only – is Ian Cole the only addition that was made to this team this year? No, you got Philip Myers. Uh, okay, yep. Yeah, you got Philip Myers uh, there uh, as well. And then, yeah, that's that, – and then you got Vladislav Nemestikov, a uh, former like. Oh, yeah, player. he's coming back, yep. Yeah, he's coming back. And then, you know, this is going to be the first year where we're going to be able to see Brandon Hagel uh, get a full year out of him because we got him at the deadline as well because – you know, that was one of the conversations that was had at the deadline last year. Well, actually in the playoffs, because, you know, we spoke earlier about what we saw out of Nick Paul right away at the deadline. But Brandon Hagel, who was one of the bigger moves that we got uh, trading away two uh, top prospects for him to Chicago. You know, that was that was really one of the more frustrating deals that we had because, you know, it was weird. You're supposed to be getting this this guy who could score a lot of goals and. You know, the conversation was, is he scoring all these goals because of Patty Kane or is he scoring all these goals because he he's a he's a he's a top scorer? And we didn't see that. We saw more of a, a grinder game out of him, you know, towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. We kind of saw a whole, totally different game than what we expected from this guy, which is a good and a bad thing. Obviously, you know, anytime you make a deal for a guy that's supposed to score goals and he doesn't score goals, it's kind of seemed as, you know, a failed deal. But uh you get to that's the kind of play that we got out of him. Uh, and, and that's what you want to see is that grinder game because now that we lost guys like Andre Palat, uh, who is capable of doing so many things on the ice, uh, I think 
Uh, if you ask John Cooper, would you rather have a guy who could score goals or a guy who could grind out? I think he'll take the grinder out. Yeah, because you've got guys that can score goals in yeah. your core. And that's that's where I was kind of going with this is now that the Lightning have been to three consecutive Stanley Cup finals, you're putting a lot of miles on those legs of your core guys. Are all the subtractions and the additions, do you think that's going to be enough that they can go all the way for a fourth year in a row? Or do you think the wear and tear is going to start to to get to these guys like Cooch, Stammer, uh, guys that have played for a long time and are only getting older and have more miles on those legs now? Well, that's, that's a good question. And, and I really thought that was going to be the case last season, uh, yeah. especially with a guy like Stamkos. I mean, we're all aware of the injury history that guy's had. And believe it or not, I mean, other than maybe a 15-game stretch off the top of my head, uh, Stamkos was probably one of the more healthier guys on the team last year. Uh, Cooch, I mean, you're you're gonna you're gonna see the injuries here and there with him. I mean, that's just expected with with Kucherov. But you know, as long as he comes back in midseason and, and scores 30, 30 plus goals, we're I think we're fine with that. Uh, and, and Braden Point, you know, he's another one who you're gonna have to worry about with the injury bug. But I mean, that's just expected. But like I stated earlier, you have a lot of guys going up and down between Tampa and Syracuse. Uh, so that's the good thing about that is that you have a lot of guys who are going to have a lot of experience. If, if you know, one of your top guys does go down for the rest of the season and the playoffs, you have a guy who you're not going to get the same production out of, but at least you're going to have a guy who's not going to look like he's going to be a deer in the headlights uh, when the big moments come. But you know what? I, I think you're going to see wear and tear here and there. I think one guy, depending on you know, how they, how they, they use him. I think it, you're going to see a little bit of a change from Andre Vasilevsky. I think this, the stats are still going to be there, but I think you're going to see a lot more moments. What we saw last year as well, where he's going to be letting in goals, where they're going to be a little bit of head scratchers. Like how did he let that one in? So I think uh, if you're going to look at one guy, I think it's going to be Andre Vasilevsky in terms of uh, a little bit of a slowdown uh, from the wear and tear over the last couple of years. Interesting. When you mentioned Kucherov's name immediately, I went, I was like, how many more points does he have over anybody over the last three playoffs? And of course, they've played more games than anyone, but there's a a 29-point gap between Kucherov at number one and then Nathan McKinnon at number two. Kucherov with 93 playoff points in 71 games since Tampa was swept against Columbus. Really an unbelievable player. Team All-team bad body language when things aren't going well. But uh, he can put the puck in the net and move it to guys to, who can as well. So I like that. Now, Tampa Bay last year opened at 108.5 points in the regular season. And they hit the over on that with 110. This year, it's 103. So Bet Online has them down a couple spots from the start of last season. Do you think the over is possible? It's still a pretty high number. What was that number again? That was 103.5 this year. They're opening odds. Uh, you know, I, I think the league as a whole is a little bit more competitive this season than it was last season. I think also, I, I think you guys could agree. We were in a very strange place with hockey, uh, just with COVID in general and, and guys kind of almost losing a year. Uh, in development, especially the young guys, of course. And so I, I think you're going to see a little bit of a reset year uh, league-wide. So I think, I, I think I'm going off the notion that it's going to take a lot more than that to get to the playoffs, especially with, with, the, especially with the division. So I'm going to say the over 
Uh, that's wishful okay. thinking. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it could very easily be the under just because, like I just stated, uh, you know, the league I think is going to be a lot more competitive this year. But I, I'm going to say the over. I think, you know, this is this is a veteran group who, you know, they may not always be playing up to what their expectations are or up to where their talent is. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, they're able to manage games better than any other team in the league, maybe as well as maybe probably the Colorado Avalanche or probably the other team that could probably be in that conversation. But uh, I think really what it's going to come down to wins and losses, it's going to be come down to how is Tampa going to be able to respond? How are they going to be able to handle onslaughts of these these teams like like an Ottawa Senators, like a Detroit Red Wings, uh, like you know, when they go out west, like a San Jose Sharks or, or Anaheim Ducks, you know, those teams that are are figuring things out still a little bit and, and, and going to be, you know, taking it to Tampa on the chin from the initial puck drop. So I think I'm going to say the over for now. You might have to check in with me in March and, 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 and see if that's changed. Yeah, Adam, I typically bet uh, that the Tampa Bay Lightning will do better than people think. Uh, it takes a lot for me to bet against the Lightning, so I'm with you on the over there. Now, final question for me, and uh, thanks for giving us your time. This has been an awesome crossover episode with the Locked On Lightning with Adam Danker. Um, let's talk some fantasy hockey. If people are looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning and being like, yeah, a lot of guys going out, only a few guys coming in, who is going to be the fantasy X factor for the Tampa Bay Lightning this season? Oh, hundred percent, Ross Colton. Uh, oh, okay. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm being a little biased because I had Ross on the show last off season. Hell of a guy, uh, uh, Stanley Cup hero uh, from the last Cup. Uh, yeah. You know, the expectations for him. You know, you kind of figure with a guy in his rookie season, not playing that many games, uh, going into the playoffs, having a you know a pretty pretty decent you know playoff uh, for a guy in his rookie season, and then scoring the the game winning goal in, yeah. in the clinching game kind of figure a guy like that, you know, one of two things can happen. He could improve slightly better. That could propel him uh, in his development, or he could maybe take a step back and, and, you know, Ross really did above, uh, did more than what I think anybody else did uh, really what it, anybody expected from him. I think he had a fantastic season um, and, and really you could see it, even if it didn't always result in goals, uh, his, his ability to just take control of certain moments and, and just walk into the goal, into the doorstep, which really a lot of young guys, you don't see that, uh, you know, he get, he's not afraid at all to take the pucks down low right in front of the goaltender uh, with that little shuffle, little shuffle step uh, uh, wrist shot that he's got there. And, and I think that's going to really work in his favor uh, now that he has a, a, an off season to really work on those things, kind of, weigh those two uh, full seasons together. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to get a lot of points out of. Uh, I think John Cooper is going to put a, a lot more trust in him and give him a lot more minutes on the ice. And I think that's going to translate in, in career highs, of course. Man, I'm actually, I'm impressed and surprised. Did you know, Pilsy, that Ross Colton scored 22 goals in the regular season last year? Wow. No, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected that. That's for sure. Who, who is he going to play on a line with? Like what's his line projection here? Uh, right now, as I'm looking at it, it's uh, he's going to be on the third line with Paul and Mestikov. I don't think that's going to be concrete. I think he's going to play himself onto the second line as the season goes on. Wow, that's big. That's yeah. and you could probably get him if if you're listening to this right before your fantasy draft. He's the kind of guy I think that you can get probably in a bit of a later round here as a bit of a sleeper. I like that as well as an X factor here. 
For Ottawa, who would be your X-Factor, Pilsy? I've been, uh, I'll keep it consistent uh, with the other Locked On Atlantic uh, Division crossover episodes. And I'm going Drake Batherson. This is a guy that he missed a lot of time last season. Um, and I think fans that aren't Sens fans kind of put him out of sight, out of mind. He was the named all-star for the Ottawa Senators. He was basically a point-per-game uh, guy when he was healthy. He's going to be playing on the top line with Josh Norris and Brady Kachuk. He's likely going to get top power play unit time again. He's a guy that's a dual threat. He can pass and shoot. His vision is incredible, but if you give him too much space, he's going to uh, he's gonna rip one right past the goalie. So Drake Batherson would be my uh, fantasy sleeper for the Ottawa Senators because I think when people think the Sens, they're going to be thinking Kachuk, Drew, Debrinkat. They're going to think all the big names. Batherson someone that still holds a lot of value and I think is going to get it done again this season. Yeah, I like that a lot. So there you have it. It's the Locked On Lightning. You can go follow them five days a week down wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. And you can obviously find Locked On Senators as well on Twitter at Send Central and again, wherever you get your podcasts. Any final thoughts, Adam, uh, whether it's the Atlantic Division as a whole, the Sens, or uh, anything else that you want to get out there about the Tampa Bay Lightning heading into this season? All I'm saying is, you know, you know, if you guys have a chance at it, please go ahead and finish in, in front of the Maple Leafs on the standings just so we could get together at some point in the, se- in the season and just dump on them and, Heck yeah. and, and, yeah. and get, more, get more sad pictures of Maple Leafs fans. Oh yeah, you know where to come when you need any sort of sad photos about the leaf pile. We're, we'll be we'll be right here for you. And the Sens and Lightning actually play in the Sunshine State on November first, so we'll get a crossover going around that time as well. This is a fantastic preview. We appreciate you, Adam, and we'll do this again down the road. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for taking time out of your schedules to 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 you know talk about uh you know really. I I think one I think. As the season progresses, you know, I said it before, the Metropolitan is is an absolute dogfight, but I think the Atlantic Division is going to be, you know, just in the same conversation as well as the season progresses. So, you know, great, one of the best divisions in the National Hockey League, and I think uh, the Senators are going to have a good season. Hopefully not too good of a season where it affects my guys. But, uh, you know, good luck to you guys in the season and looking forward to that crossover in November. Now I'd like to thank the guys from Locked On Centers for once again taking the time out of their busy schedules uh, to get together to, to to preview the this upcoming matchup against these two teams in the Atlantic Division. Interesting matchup. One team who has been at the top of the NHL world for the past couple of years, over five years now. The Tampa Bay Lightning have been one of the top teams in the National Hockey League. Ottawa Senators on the opposite end, basically bottom feeders over the last couple of years, but they're slowly and have been surely building up their farm system, building up the franchise, bringing in new faces, fresh blood, and it's starting to pay off. You could see it there. Uh, you know, quite frankly, you know, we could sit here and speculate how well they're going to play, you know, uh, that, but really what it comes down to is that we're going to have to see how they could translate all that talent on paper onto the ice in the regular season. So in the meantime, we'll sit and wait. We'll continue our Atlantic division uh, rival feature over the course of the next couple of weeks by previewing the rest of the teams in the National Hockey, uh, in the Atlantic Division, excuse me. Uh, one of them I'm very interested to get to, and that will be the Toronto Maple Leafs. So keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, that's been it for this episode of Locked on Lightning, part of Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Danker. I'll talk to you in the next one.